If you've ever struggled with feeling overwhelmed, stressed out, or burned out, this is the episode for you. We've gathered some amazing ladies to share their experiences and the things they've learned about coping with burnout and also preventing it from happening in the future. Our goal is always to keep ourselves as far away from a drink as possible, and burnout can create a danger zone if we're not careful. So listen as we dig into why we let ourselves reach the point of burnout and learn how we've dealt with it and hopefully walk away with some new ideas to apply in your own life. Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Julie and Steve. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full there's no space left for alcohol. As we get ready to head into our summer break before we pick up in September with season two, We just want to remind you that you can always keep in touch through our website or on social media. We would love to hear from you. And we'll continue to re-release our favorite episodes throughout the summer. So stick around and have a listen. Sometimes hearing something a second time is exactly what we need. Well, welcome, everybody. We get to have a ladies' night tonight. That doesn't happen very often. Actually, I think our last episode was all guys and me. So we're going to flip the script and we're going to have all ladies and Steve this time. And this is also the last episode of season one. So we are going to take a two-month break for the summer and then we'll pick back up in September. So you guys are the last guests of season one. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. We will do our introductions as always. We'll start with Sonia, since you have been here once before. How are you tonight? I am good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I know I should give like a more interesting introduction than the last one, which is I was born in Canada and I lived in the States for 25 years. And after a series of signs, I am moving back to Toronto after 25 years, part time. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> That's huge. Yes. And I'm the founder of Everbloom, and we do small group sobriety meetings, and people are matched based on certain characteristics, not demographic, but whatever they're struggling with. And we create pretty strong connections through conversation. And I've been sober for six years. Amazing. All right. And so, because you're going to be in Toronto, yeah. we need to have coffee. Yes, we need to have dinner, not just coffee. We need to like to have <laughs> dinner. Yeah, that's July 1st. I will be moving into my new apartment with a view of the Lake Ontario. Amazing. Wow. Okay. Well, this is exciting. There's some big changes going on for you. Really cool. Awesome. Really cool. All right. Well, thank you for being here tonight. Next, we are going to go with Brittany. Hello, uh, my name is Brittany Storty. I'm 30 years old. I'm from Rhode Island, but I'm vacationing in Florida. And I am the founder of the Bridge Coaching Services, and I am a certified addiction recovery coach. And I have been sober since January 29th of 2017, and absent in my eating disorder since August 9th of last year. And I'm truly grateful for that amount of time. 
Amazing. Amazing. That is absolutely inspirational. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being here. And it is lovely to meet you. And last but not least is Caitlin. Hello. Thank you for having me tonight. I'm really excited to be here. My name is Caitlin. I'm 32 years old. I'm from Wisconsin. I am a full-time mom and, you know, an aspiring artist, I guess you could say. Um, I've been sober for almost two years. It'll be two years on the 26th of June. All right. And yeah, that's very cool. Well, thank you for being here. And I just want to let our listeners know I'm going to include links so you guys can get in touch with all of these amazing women and follow their stories and see what they're all about. So check the show notes for that. And tonight's topic is burnout. I think it's easy to fall into a state of burnout when we're trying to keep up with all of the things that we are expected to do. And burnout can be a very dangerous place when we're sober. It's easy to get to the point where we convince ourselves that we need a drink or we deserve a drink for getting through all of the stressful, busy days. So how has feeling burned out affected your recovery? And what have you learned about coping with it? For me, burnout has affected my recovery in the ways that, you know, things will be going really, really good. And then like, like happens, it throws you curveballs. And it seems that it tends to throw like a ton of curveballs at once, at least in my experience. And so it becomes like a slippery slope. And all of these things that we're trying to overcome and grow as we're healing and staying sober, they just become exceedingly difficult. And depression for me sinks in. And then it gets this cycle of where I just can't do anything. It's negative self-talk and... I'm exhausted. My diet goes to crap. Pretty much everything just goes down the gutter. So learning to cope with that has just been one, being able to recognize the signs of that burnout in myself. What are my emotions telling me? What is my body telling me? And then you really just have to up the self-care and create boundaries and kind of change the environment. Because if you let it, you could really talk yourself into using again easily because that's the coping mechanism that we've all turned to for so long. So just education and boundaries and self-care. Go ahead, Brittany. I was just going to say, I totally agree with that. And for me, when I entered recovery, I got the, I should be able to now do blah, 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 blah. I should be able to do this, should be able to do that. And I was brought up where if you sat down, that, that's being lazy. <laughs> and we weren't really taught how to rest. We were human doers, not human beings. So when I got sober, you know, things started to happen. We we're able to do more, at least I was. And I threw myself into bodybuilding, into work, just kept on piling things on. And my I was addicted to chaos. I was addicted to that roller coaster Mm -hmm. and it was familiar. And that's why I didn't even notice because it was a familiar feeling of always being on edge. And for me, that didn't really honestly slow down until January. And my body actually was the one to speak up. I started having major headaches, major fatigue, 
uh, stomach problems, a lot of dizziness, so much dizziness. And then there were other things like I lost half an eyebrow due to stress. And I had to make an amends with my body because I'm like, I'm, I'm so sorry I didn't listen to you. But that's what it took because met, like I'm thinking with my head and I'm thinking like I can, I got this, right? That's what we tell ourselves. I got this. And that's, I've learned that's my danger zone. And I need to routinely check in with myself and just ask myself, what am I available for today? Especially because I have clients in recovery and I need to make sure that I put the oxygen mask on myself before I can assist others. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm so with that where that's like my trigger. It's like that is my danger zone is being hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And so when I was getting burned out, when I was still drinking, it was like the best excuse to drink and drink heavily. And so it was the only me coping mechanism I had. And so now I find like I just like Caitlin was saying, I have boundaries and priorities that it feels so uncomfortable because I was brought up to where you can't lie down in the middle of the day or take a nap or and so it is so uncomfortable when I get like an email like an email from the web developer Saturday night and I don't know why I was checking my email and it was like can you meet like at can, can we have a conversation at 9 30 tonight and I was like if no but I did say if it's not going to set anything back can we do it tomorrow morning but it felt so uncomfortable to do it, but I could feel it. I'd had a really tough week. I had plans for Saturday night to do nothing and like watch a little Queen Charlotte of Bridgerton. And yeah, and so I, I totally I agree with both of you that that is the danger zone. When I get burnt out, I stop eating properly and irritable. I isolate myself and I'm tired. But I think that all the self-care and the resting and the taking breaks and the taking days off is like selfish, right? And lazy. Or lazy, exactly. And so when I first started even trying to incorporate self-care into my life, that's what it felt like, was, was just being so ridiculously selfish that I felt guilty for it. And I learned early on self-care doesn't count if it comes with feelings of guilt because you're not filling anything of yourself if you're just looking at your to-do list while you're feeling guilty for for taking a break or whatever that is. And for me that was really hard because it was just ingrained in me forever that you know that's what good women do, that's what good mothers do, that's what good wives do is we just go and go and go and go and go and always put ourselves last. Like that's what makes a good wife or mother, right? And so putting myself first was really uncomfortable and I had to let go of that guilt in order to actually gain the benefits of the self-care that I was trying to incorporate. How do you think you let go of the guilt? Just like practice? Ooh, wow. How did I let go of the guilt? I don't know. You know, at some point I just started telling myself I deserve this. I deserve a break. And at some point, I think putting read for 30 minutes on my to-do list made it just as important as clean the kitchen and run the kids around and all of that because it honestly is just as important as everything else on that list of things you feel like you're supposed to get done. I think 
we always think we have to do things now. Immediate, instant gratification. It, I must do this now. It has to be done yesterday. And most of the things that I think need to be done yesterday, I didn't do them yesterday and I'm still not doing them today. And it's still not really affecting anyone but myself to begin with. So I pile this list on that I deem significant because I think other people deem it as significant. And there are some things that have to get done. They are important, but not all of that list, the lawn, you know, change the brakes or whatever that may be, right? Like it doesn't really have to get done now. I I, I need to, you, we're all talking about like listening to ourselves, our body, our whatever. If I'm emotionally exhausted and I know I am, there is only so much I can do and only I'm only going to be minimally useful regardless of where I am or what I'm doing. And it reflects in my space. My space gets messy. The dishes don't get put away. My laundry doesn't get folded. It's the last thing to get done anyway. But it it's all of that. Like you said, the eating. It's just, I, I think, and just like Julie says about adding stuff to your list. So I also think that, I know I did this, is things, you know, I think they're going to take longer than what they are. And when I actually put it into perspective, I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about what I'm doing right now. And for, for self-care is I decided 21 days ago, because I'm on day 21 today, 21 days ago that I was going to run one mile every day. I was just going to start jogging. And because I don't really do any physical exercise, I don't do but I have to start somewhere. I have to start something. I have to do something. I was like, okay, I'll jog one mile. So then I went and jogged around the block and it just so happened to be a mile and it took me just over 10 minutes. And I was like, crap, because it's really, really hard to justify to myself or anyone else, find a reason that I cannot spend 10 minutes to do something that's good for me today. I think that's pretty impossible. Like I couldn't. There, I, I had days where I was like, it's day three and I really don't feel like doing this, but and it's kind of raining a little bit out and that would be a good excuse, but it's not really an excuse. I mean, I can still go on out in the rain. I got to change the clothes. I have all of these <laughs> things and I'm sitting in, 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 so I'm sitting in my bedroom trying to find a reason. And what I'm doing is I'm folding my laundry and this is the last thing that I do. And I'm, all I'm doing is avoiding it. Right. But there is no, I could not find a reason for the life of me that actually made sense where I could tell someone, listen, I'm not going to go and do this one mile run and have them be like, you know what? I really understand, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> well, we'll try so hard to come up with all of these excuses not to take care of ourselves. Why is it that we do that? It's crazy. I mean, I can talk myself out of self-care in an instant. We are going to take a quick break in production here to let you know Through the Glass Recovery is more than just a podcast. We offer tons of free resources to help support your recovery. We host weekly support meetings. We offer a free private Facebook group dedicated to supporting one another's sobriety. 
And we have a weekly newsletter full of resources, articles, and information to keep you heading in the right direction. And if you're ready to take your recovery a step further, we offer affordable one-on-one coaching as well. Visit our website to learn more about scheduling a call with Julie or myself. We would love to sit down with you at no charge and see how we can best support your journey to recovery. Visit our website at throughtheglassrecovery.com for more information about everything we offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, okay, I know I'm sitting down, but I should be doing something. Like, and yeah. it's a constant hamster wheel in your head. And for me, I've learned I have to schedule it right now. That's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And I have to, because there's only so much I can place in my brain. Only yeah. so much. And I need to weed out all the things that no longer serve me in recovery Mm -hmm. and bring on the things that do. And, you know, I've I've been sober for six and a half years. I'm just getting the hang of meditation because my mind has finally quieted down enough to make space for that. And I was sitting outside today and I just closed my eyes and I could hear, you know, the rustling of the leaves, the birds outside. I don't think I ever heard it like I heard it today, if that makes any sense. Like it's mm-hmm. it's like I can appreciate the things around me. And I think that's so important in recovery to appreciate just the small things, you know, and to find value and self-worth in just being instead of doing. Well, the hamster wheel, right? You must do. Yeah. I'm going to talk about consumerism a little bit, I think. But that's the hamster wheel. I need to get this. I need to have this. I need to have this. You know, all of the social media tells me that I need to have a nicer vehicle and I need to have a newer vehicle and I need to go and do all of these amazing things because that's what's going to make me wonderful. And then none of it really is fulfilling. So I'm going to burn myself out trying to get what? External validation? Mm-hmm. Ouch. Oh, proving ourselves. Proving ourselves. Right. Ouch. That was, right? that was so me. work harder, work longer, make more money because that has been really unfulfilling for me. <laughs> it really has. Like, and it's not, and maybe it's not the, the amount of work. Maybe it's the type. What yeah. am I doing that isn't fulfilling? Because if I put my effort, I, I put a lot of effort into things that are fulfilling and it's really hard. It's, it, I find it a lot harder to get burnt out on something that fills my cup than it does on something that empties it. Yeah. I think so many of us have wrestled with the feelings of failure throughout our addictions and throughout our recovery as well. And I mean, something recently that came to me success the word success was really just kind of rolling around in my head and we all have these certain ideals of what success means and then you have society standards and you have your grandparents standards and you have your friends and your school or college or your employment and nobody else can define what success means for you individually and every day what success means to you is going to change. So one day it literally can be getting out of bed, making your bed, doing a load of laundry and mopping your floor. And that's enough. The next day you're going to start a new venture and you take steps for that and you're successful as well. But nobody else can tell you what is successful. 
also when it comes to self-care and not feeling guilty about it, I think that's just something that has to happen naturally. It's not a one size fits all for everybody. You just have to kind of glide into those feelings. And one day you realize like, oh, this doesn't feel so crappy anymore. It feels kind of good. But the thing is, is if you don't make time for your wellness, like Brittany said, her body started shutting down. It was doing crazy things. And I have a similar experience as well. If you don't make time for that wellness, your body is going to make you make time for your illness. And if you can get behind it or underneath it before it gets to a point where your body's deficient in vitamins and your mental health is on the rocks and you can't even like be in public because you're overstimulated and it's terrible, like your quality of life goes down. So if you can get under it before it gets there, you're much better off. I used to actually feel grateful when I'd get sick because it meant that I had an excuse to lay in bed. If we get to that point, like these ladies are all nodding. Everyone's nodding their head right now, yeah. If we get to that point, we are doing something wrong. I mean, I can't even tell you. I would I would wake up and I would be sneezing and my throat would hurt and I'd have a terrible headache and I'd be like, I get a tail. Yes, that's terrible. But it's so true. So I don't know why, too. Like when I have clients, like my one of my biggest things is kind of like tracking, right? Their emotion. And like when we get to like a five, maybe that's when we need to start taking action. Like let's not get to a 10 because it's hard to like, reel that back in and so i think that's a lot of what i try to do now is try to gauge it like caitlin was saying like get get ahead of it and so you can kind of like sometimes i'll even look at my week and i'll probably i'm like you know what thursday night i'm probably gonna be a little tired or friday you know maybe i'm not gonna schedule appointments or maybe you know maybe i'll just like block my calendly and so yeah i've been trying really hard to get get ahead of it too mm-hmm so I'm sitting here thinking and I'm going, what, what in my past experiences, cause I don't really experience much for burnout now, but I, when in my past would I say that I, I was burning myself out and what did that look like? So I'm going to go with my work. I was in charge of basically half the operation of the facility that I still currently work at and basically 24 seven. I'm on call, regardless of whether I get called or not, I'm still holding on to the anxiety of that potential. Like I'm tied to it, even though I've left the place. And then, so I would get phone calls and then I'd have to go into work or I would try and fight and avoid going into work and try and get it done over the phone. And then outside of that, if I did have to go to work, I have got two little girls at home. And so leaving them and my wife at the time, then what about the backlash from that? So the anxiety that sat there. And then, so there's this pile of external responsibility, some of it from work that I didn't have the courage to say no to because I didn't have the boundaries, right? Some of it, I didn't have the courage to say no to at home because I didn't have those boundaries either. And then, so I'm sitting here, I'm taking on too much. 
I'm not asking for help because I think I can do it all. Because if I, if I ask for help, then that means that I can't do what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's what, that's what I think I'm showing externally that I'm not capable of doing that work. And so I'm taking on a whole bunch of responsibility that really isn't mine and I'm not asking for help and I'm, and I'm not setting any clear path or goal that this is what this is going to look like. And this is what I have to protect. So then I just let that all. And I, and, and I mean, in, I, I drank inside of this cause I didn't know how to deal with it or cope with it. And that was my way out. And I'm still working in the same place. I don't have the same job anymore, but I've been working to remove that tie. That tie is not healthy for me. It just isn't. There's, there's a misalignment somewhere and I'm still working to find that misalignment that is in my life, that is in my career and what that looks like. And I'm a hell of a lot closer to knowing what that is. And I'm working toward that goal right now. And I can see it now when I look back with all of the clarity that I have now that without the boundaries, without the self-care and, and all of that, but I was really in a lot of misalignment too. Yeah, I have... Okay, so I, I'm going to ask you guys a question. I actually have a couple of coaching clients right now that are struggling with burnout primarily because they just have so much on their plates that they can't let go of. They have stuff that their family needs them to do that they really have to do. They're the only person that can do that. And then they have their job that they have to work in order to support the family. How I, I haven't personally experienced that. I would actually love to hear if if any of you guys have experienced that point where it's just all of this crushing responsibility and you can't, there isn't somebody else to help with this. You can't delegate these tasks. How do you keep yourself from burning out in a situation like that? Is that anything any of you guys have ever experienced? Absolutely. Early in my recovery, I, everything was out of control in my life and naturally, but I was extremely burnt out as well. I have a son who has autism and then a younger son who is absolutely feral, like just a feral child. I am not even kidding you. I do my best, but holy buckets, Batman. Uh, and so I was primary caretaker and we're dealing with big emotions and, you know, they're at very important ages. And then here's mom who's healing and learning how to deal with her emotions and doing the laundry, doing the things, wiping butts, like just, it was hard. And I can't tell you how many days I just cried, like, and I would do the things and I just cried. And finally it got to the point where, you know, I told my husband, like, I cannot do this anymore right now. I can't. And like being a stay at home mom, you don't have, benefits you know you don't get to take paid time off you have to do it anyway and that's where I really had to humble myself and ask people for help that I didn't want to ask I did not want to ask one because I didn't want to be a burden two because negative thought pattern now I'm going to owe them something mm -hmm. and I just bit the bullet and asked for help and I napped. I slept for like a week straight. 
watched my favorite TV shows, went outside, you know, did the things that made my heart happy. All the while feeling all of this angst and burnout and exhaustion, but finding time to feed my soul a little bit and regain that strength. But it was hard. Asking for help sucked. So does receiving help. It does. <laughs> it kind of hurts sometimes when you're happy, but it like physically hurts. Mm-hmm. Until it doesn't. Yes. Right. That's a really good answer to that. Mm -hmm. Like I've experienced a burnout. I've just, my, I think my burnout is just different. My burnout is just the go, 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 go of constantly trying to prove my worth. Right. Because my self-worth has been non-existent since probably forever. And so that's how I thought that I could make myself good enough was just to keep going and going and going. But it's just, it's, and, and I think we all maybe experience burnout differently. And um, some of us bring it on ourselves. Others, life puts all of that on your plate. And I think that it's just, yeah, we, we all have different ways of finding to work through it for sure. Yeah. I think once we, you know, put down the substances, the food, whatever it is, we're kind of left with this identity crisis, right? Because I don't, for me, I, I was an alcoholic, I was an addict, like through and through that I was committed, you know, and then when, you know, that was no longer on the table, like, okay, now I'm going to throw myself in bodybuilding. And when that doesn't work out, I'm going to throw myself in my work. And when that doesn't work out, like, always had to be something I found myself searching for my identity outside of myself rather than within myself. And for me, when I reached my breaking point with my last job, I had to leave. And I don't recommend that. I don't recommend not having anything set up and just leaving like I did. But um, I just, I'm one of those people, I need a sense of purpose in what I do. I need to value myself and feel valued. Mm -hmm. And when that's not happening and I'm trying to overcompensate for that, that's when I hit burnout. That is really insightful. Yeah, it is. Yep. That is spot on. Because when we're doing the things that feel like they're they're fulfilling our purpose, we just don't burn out on them the way we do when we're running around trying to do all this other stuff. And then it just leaves us empty. There's no refilling of the cup. Hmm. Yeah, really great point, Brittany. I think we live in a society, though, where we're expected to just do it, just grin and bear it, especially when you talk to like people in older generations, you know, that was they don't have time for excuses or when you tell them self-care or boundaries, they're like, no, you just get it done. You do it tired. You do it sick. You do it. Well, yeah, it, it has to be done. But I think it's really brave for a person to say, this isn't working for me anymore. This isn't good for me. And to walk away from things and call me crazy, but I don't know, my detachment game I've learned has been pretty strong in life. It depends. I mean, certain people, obviously I'm still attached, but I think it's important to walk away from things that drain you and don't even look back. It just, it's brave and it's courageous to choose you because you matter 
and like the purpose thing i really struggle with that too like what is my purpose why am i even here and it stresses me out and it drives me absolutely insane but i have to ground myself and remember like my purpose just as everybody else's first and foremost is to just be who they are just be Shine your light, tell your stories, be kind, show love where you can, set those boundaries, but just be who you are and that is your purpose. And whatever happens from that is what you were meant to do. You don't have to be wealthy or have an amazing job or have the white picket fence. Just be who you are and share your wisdom and that's enough. And that feeling of purpose, if it's if it's anything for you like it was for me, Caitlin, it's just going to fall in your lap one day. Mm-hmm. I could go out there looking, and I did forever, looking for like what is my purpose, grasping at everything, trying to make it fit, and none of it fit. And then one day when I wasn't even looking, like all of a sudden, here we go. I, now I know what I'm supposed to be doing now, and, and my soul feels full and aligned. Right. But I think... That's just how that happened. And you're exactly right. Once I gave into just being me and stopped trying to prove myself, <laughs> that's when all of that fell into place. And I think that that's just how that works. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of like uh, what our friend Scott Stillman, I'm going to throw a Scott Stillman in here, is the universe likes to leave you nuggets. And when you leave yourself available to accept them and find them and actually explore them, it's 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 incredible what you end up finding when you start going down that rabbit hole. I think it's only too when we get sober that we can see it clearly too. Can't that see I it couldn't when you're drinking. Couldn't see it when I was drinking, like it was like, yeah, there was no concept of like passion or purpose. It was just, I'm going to do this, and then my my passion is coming home and getting messed up. Like that was really like the the highlight of the day. And so yeah, I think. I think it's so interesting how that changes when you get sober. Like, and also one other thing for me with the burnout is so many things changed about me and about my relationships too. That like, from what Caitlin's saying, it's like some of those relationships didn't serve me anymore. And it's like, okay, I have to, okay, I, I see the light now. Like I have to do it. Like I have to cut it off or I have to make these changes um, because I went so long ignoring it. I'm drinking at it. Drinking at it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put that. It is. It's exactly what so many of us were doing. Yeah. And I think with self-care, it's like we also have to identify what that means for us as an ind- individual. Like for me, I, I don't like to sit there and get my nails done. I don't like massages. I have plenty of trauma. I don't need more. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I've learned my practice of self-care it started actually listening to podcasts while I was doing cardio in the morning that was the beginning of my self-care and now I do it every morning and that's how I start my day with those endorphins a positive outlook I learned something and then I went from podcasts to being able to receive audiobooks and being able to retain information again and that can be addicting but you know within reason but also just some self-compassion and goal setting within the within those means. I keep it to three to five a day, no more. That's it. And if I don't get it all done one day, just write it down the next day, and that's all you got to do. You know, 
still going to be there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, for me, I actually the first time I got sober, so this is my second bout here. I made a list in my planner of all of the things I could possibly think of that would fill my cup, that would somehow count as self-care and would give me back some of the energy I was always putting out there. And I, I just sat down one day and wrote out this long list and then I kept adding to it. I, you know, I thought about it for the rest of the week, I think, and I'd go back and I'd write more things on the list. And some t- that, that helped me a lot because I would get to the point where I'm like, I need to do something for myself. I don't even know what I want to do for myself. I couldn't even think about it. And, you know, some of those things on there were really simple, like go for a walk. But in my state of frazzled, that wasn't going to come to mind or, you know, buy myself flowers. I love flowers. And it's such a simple thing to do that makes me feel so good. But if I'm in that state of being so frazzled and so stressed out and so overwhelmed, I'm not going to think to do it. So it was actually a really helpful exercise and then a list just to keep on hand. And some of those things would take an hour to do. Some of those things would take five minutes to do. And and then I could, you know, look at my day and, oh, I do have an hour. Here's here's some things. It was actually a really helpful thing that I did. It's something I still, I still go back to that list. I think a lot of us forget the tools that we have in our toolbox when we get frazzled, you know, every single time. So I think... A good question to ask yourself or a good couple questions is one, how can I love myself? Like what would love look like right now? What would, do I need to hug myself? Do I need to journal? Do I need to take a bath? Do I need to go for a walk? Um, And another question is what is something I can do today that the tomorrow me will thank me for? What's going to set me up to succeed tomorrow? And those are hard questions to ask them sometimes. And like, sometimes you'll get really silly answers from yourself. Like, color in a coloring book. Okay, why am I doing that? Well, I'm getting those creative juices flowing. Who knows? Maybe it's going to set me up for something better tomorrow. But yeah, just asking yourself those simple questions. Yeah, those are great. I think I'm going to wrap this up. You guys have been really awesome here and I'm going to sum things up here and it's external expectations, not having boundaries, taking on too much, not asking for help. It's like a culmination of a whole bunch of things that we just didn't take care of or all of these expectations are our own and from outside and then it just becomes overwhelming. And so you have to change something. This is what we all talked about. You have to change something to do that. And because you feel burned out, it feels almost impossible. How can I change this? I don't have any time for this. You just have to start. That's where, whether it's carving 10 minutes out or asking for help or saying no, Caitlin, you nailed it. It's courageous to choose you. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you, Brittany, and thank you, Caitlin, for your time and thoughts and experiences on this final episode of Season 1 on Through the Glass Recovery Podcast. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, you guys, that was awesome.
And to our listeners, thank you. This first season of Through the Glass Recovery Podcast has been such an incredible experience for both of us. You've shared your time and your thoughts with us and have helped us grow in our recoveries just as we hope that we've helped you grow in yours. Have a wonderful summer and we'll be back with new content in a couple of months.